Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 382, recorded January 15th, 2023. And today we got one issue from two different series. So we got Star Trek 2022, issue number three, and Star Trek Resurgence, issue number two. Both of these came out December of 2022. Right. So we were doing Star Trek 2022 first issue with the Stargazer series, and now mm-hmm. it's handed off to the Resurgence series. So maybe those guys will be hand-in-hand uh, hand for a little while. Right. Yeah, and then uh, as far as Star Trek comic books go here at the beginning of 2023, basically we're going to get one a week for a while. It's either going to be Resurgence, the Star Trek 2022, Strange New Worlds, and then Defiant and Deep Space Nine have some coming up towards the beginning of the year. Right. First quarter, end of the first quarter. It's kind of cool that IDW is just going to give us one a week, kind of like how uh, CBS All Access is giving us one a week. <sighs> what yes. do they call it now? Is it All Access now, or is that the old name? Uh, I think it's Paramount Plus now. Paramount Plus. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, they wanna, whatever they want. Whatever they want to call it. Change their name all the time. Well, right? exactly. They're just changing just their call, names. Just call time. it Star Trek for me. <laughs> exactly. So the, the I, I just got to. I just got an email today where Amazon was saying, hey, you can get Paramount Plus for uh, you know a cut rate for a certain amount of time. So I guess a little bit of cross-marketing going on there. And they yeah. showed like uh, Tulsa King and, uh, and all those, uh, what, Yellowstone or whatever series they've got on, which I could give a rat's behind about. So they're showing all those, and they show nothing for Star Trek. It's like, come on. Really? They're, they're they're one of your top you know one of your top uh, thingies there for, uh, you know intellectual property whatever and and you show all these Yellowstone things and Sylvester Stallone things which I really don't care about anyway whatever I, I do kind of want to see that Sylvester Stallone one actually <sighs> okay he plays a superhero nah! <laughs> that's not Tulsa King no oh no the, he's in a different one yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, like I forgot. Savior or something like that. Yeah, I, I forgot the name of it. But that was just a movie, right? Yeah, just yeah. a one-time movie. movie. Yeah. Maybe that's on Amazon. I don't remember. It's some streaming service had that, yeah. I never heard about it. And then I saw the commercial like two days ago, and I'm like, huh, that actually looks pretty good. Uh, right, I heard so about Tulsa it. Kings but... is a uh, TV show with Sylvester Stallone? Yes. Mm. He's some kind of, I think he, he looks like some kind of mafiosa or something. That moves into probably some New York mafia guy that moves into Tulsa and has some kind of a culture clash or something, I guess. At least that's what I get out of the the commercials. Interesting. Cool. Yes. Well, I guess he's got to keep busy. Well, I think it's great. It's, it's great that the, uh, the aging action stars can have some place to go. Right. Well, apparently it's Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> yeah, the new spinoff for Yellowstone, Yellowstone has 
Timothy Dalton and uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Yes. And Helen Mirren. I mean, I'm like watching the commercial going, oh, man, now i got to watch Yellowstone just so I can watch this. <laughs> it's a prequel, so I think I'm just going to watch, just go straight into that one. Yeah, and then 1880-something is another yeah, prequel. It's even further with, back. Yeah, with Sam Elliott, which right. I also wanted to see. So Yeah. I might just watch all the spinoffs and not the actual show itself. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I know friends that swear up and down it's great it's great of course they also drive pickup trucks and don't don't bad mouth pickup trucks (laughs) i'm just saying they're 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 not much into science fiction right right whatever more like pickup trucks and football (laughs) anyway anyway so yeah so uh back to these issues i thought these were all right i mean none of none of them blew me away but i enjoyed them quite a bit yeah, they're both advancing the story. Um, right. You know, we got Q in this issue of the 2022 book. So it's like, oh, Q. Well, that's always interesting. Well, usually interesting with Q. So there's something there. And then the R, what, what's the name of it again? Resurgence. Resurgence? Resurgence. Okay. Yeah. So the Resurgence, okay, so that moves things along. Resurgence is a little tough because it's uh, characters you've never heard of before. Right. Because this is coming out before the video game. I really think this should have came out after the video game came out. So people at least know who these people are. That would only be the people that bought the game. So uh, who, Who's not going to buy the game? I don't understand. What uh, I'm not. <laughs> Odds are. I just don't uh, spend enough time on video games. Uh, who knows? Mm. Who knows? So I suppose this is going to be on all platforms, right? That kind of thing. Uh, non- non-smartphone platforms kind of thing. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. But even, uh, I mean, saying that, the the Walking Dead Telltale games did end up going to smartphones, so... Yeah. It could go. Well, the only one I bought of those was the first one, and I, I've i got it on my iPad. I didn't go very far in it, though. Oh, man, those are so good. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Star Trek one. What I like about Resurgence is it's very interesting to see a different ship, different crew, and the ship is not, it's not the flagship... It's not one of the bigger, fancier ships, but at least you get to see Dr. Brahms, so at least yeah, that much. Yeah, a, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Oh, and we do get a Next Generation cameo in this one, mm. so that'll be nice. Yeah. Hope it goes somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, so what do you want to do first, Ken? Resurgence or Star Trek? Well, I want to do the 2022 Star Trek. Right. I want to see what all that hubbub is about Q. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So this is Star Trek, we're calling it 2022, from IDW. And this is issue number three. Published date, January 2023. Creative team, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. Art by Ramon Rosanas. Pages one and 22, which is interesting. First and last. And then Joe Isma does all the rest of the work, pages 2 through 21. Colorist is Lee Lowridge. Letterer Clayton Cowles. Design and production by our old friend Neil Yataki. Senior editor Heather Antos. Editorial assists by Vanessa Real. Or real. Tomato, tomato. Six covers. Six covers. A lot of covers. But I think the first issue had even more. Cover A... 
So Cover A's drawing was included at the end of issue one, and it's kind of a teaser telling us that Q would be in issue number two. So you've got kind of a skull-faced version of Q in his encounter at Farpoint Inquisitor's costume. Uh, and by the way, I, I think he was referred to as the Inquisitor, but that's what I'm calling him in here. So that dominates the cover and has some sort of fog in front of Q's face. And then in the foreground, we see um, the USS Theseus is coming straight at the reader. And this cover is by Ramon Rosanas. Cover B features Q with his normal face and in the Inquisitor costume. His hands are up as if to cast a spell on a little Cisco who is in front of him in kind of sort of a white energy field that's kind of around him. And Cisco's looking kind of unsure of his situation. And that cover is by Angel Yunzweta. Unzweta? Okay, butchered that. Cover C features Worf and Dr. Crusher's head and shoulders. Worf is in the upper left corner, and Dr. Crusher is kind of flipped, and she's in the lower right corner, sort of like a poker playing cards, you know, where the queen's right side up and upside down, or king. A purple Joshua tree drawing is in the upper right corner, and a yellow ball of string-looking thing is in the lower left corner. And this cover is by Liana Kangas. Cover R1A, Reach Other Instead of Cover A, presents a black and white version of cover A, uh, which is the skull Q in the USS Theseus. And this cover uh, by the same person, only black and white mostly, Ramon Rosanas. Cover R1B is a montage of eight different images of Captain Sisko in various locations, mostly with a scowl on his face. So it's like he's in different parts of the ship or different parts of wherever, you know, kind of running around and looking around and whatever, and just standing there. And this one's by Ramon Rosanas. Retailer incentive cover C is the retailer incentive cover B, but there's like no text on it or the IDW logo isn't there. It's just, just the drawing. Lieutenant Talir wakes up and gets out of his bed while saying, I am Talir. He grabs a potted plant out of a replicator and consumes the plant matter. He showers with a sonic shower with the safety protocols oddly deactivated. As he dons his uniform, he chants, Greetings, I am Talur, a Vulcan of Starfleet, like someone that needs to be reminded of his identity. Talir's personnel file is shown to the reader and is mostly what you'd expect for a talented genius-level Vulcan. Uh, there is just that odd detail about a disciplinary incident on Starbase 1 that is, for some reason, classified. The scene shifts to Dr. Crusher's office, where she and Captain Sisko seem to be having a counseling or therapy session. It turns out that Dr. Crusher is trying to assess how human Captain Sisko still is after his return from an extended stay with the wormhole aliens. Captain Sisko is not happy about this one bit. Cut to a kitchen on board the Theseus, where Jake is cooking gumbo while chatting with Talir. Jake bemoans the fact his grandfather, a great Cajun chef, never wrote down his gumbo recipe. 
Jake's dad, and he only have the many times they watched Grandfather cook gumbo to do their own gumbo. Suddenly, Talir's spidey sense starts tingling, and he tells Jake he has a feeling as he calls to the bridge for status. The bridge has somehow turned into an outdoor cattle stampede on Earth in the western United States, and what's worse, Worf is in a hat. Sisko also picks up on the disturbance in the force and is tapping his wormhole alien mojo to see around the ship. Cattle are stampeding on the ship's hallways, while a Lovecraftian tentacled monster is destroying shuttles on the flight deck. Scotty is trying to make sense of what he is seeing down in engineering. Sisko reaches out his senses and detects an old and very powerful gadfly from his and Dr. Crusher's past. Q. In pompous Inquisitor's robes, Q appears to Sisko, who immediately responds by landing an uppercut into Q's jaw and pouncing on the so-called god. Q reappears, standing in Bajoran Kai's robes, and referring to Sisko as the Sisko. Q questions the prophet's use of Sisko to deal with this present situation. Q says Sisko has already blown the test. Scotty interrupts reporting the ship's warp core is overloading, with all the laws of space-time currently being broken. Scotty says in ten minutes, it will turn into a singularity and destroy the ship and crew. Q playfully questions, did little old me do that? Jake and Talir are able to get through to Sisko, who asks what they and Scotty can do to kick Q off my ship. They come up with a far-fetched plan involving the ship's deflectors that they proceed to put into effect. In deflector control, Talir quotes Spock's needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few thing and appears to electrocute himself to the point his eyes glow white. Very odd. Q snaps his fingers and says he was hoping to have some fun with Sisko and crew before he joins the other godlike beings heading for the hills. Q says the prophet's choice of a human savior to save them all was laughable at first, but he says he has come around to thinking a human messiah with a crew to support him. Well, who knows? Q now appears in a Starfleet uniform and shakes Sisko's hand while telling him to go to the god city of Takan and don't dare let us down. A finger snap later and the ship and crew are back to normal. Scotty reports the warp core is nominal, like nothing ever happened to it. Jake is helping injured, but not dead, Talir out of the deflector control room, and Worf is complaining about the hat. Sisko says that he wishes he had that trick back in Deep Space Nine days, and sits down to honestly speak to Dr. Crusher about his humanity. Later, Talir returns to his quarters, and in a weak voice reminds himself that he is Talir in the bathroom, in front of a mirror, his body turns into a bright white humanoid silhouette. The light starts dimming and finally goes out, leaving Talir looking normal and strong. He says in a strong, in-command voice, I am Talir, a Vulcan of Starfleet. To be continued in The City of the Gods. So what do you think he is? I'm going to guess he's not a Vulcan of Starfleet. <laughs> That's my guess as well. So he's a god being that's just hitching a ride because 
he wants to be in on dealing with this god killer? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you, uh, like you mentioned, his little um, write-up, you know, his disciplinary action. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is classified, and it does say Scotty gets him out. Yeah, recruited. Right. Yeah. So maybe Scotty knew what he was. Maybe. Or maybe he didn't. I just saw a really talented Vulcan. Yeah. But wasn't there an episode, probably of a comic book, where, and I don't know if it's Voyager or what, but I just remember that there was a member of the crew that looked like a normal human being, and then all of a sudden they were about to get squashed by something, and then the superhuman whatever he was had to expose, or actually I think it was a she, had to expose who she was. And she saved the ship. Hmm. So is this something like that? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I think that was a comic book, not not a yeah. TV show. That we had done some years ago. Yeah. You're, you remember that sounds, one? Uh, I keep thinking of that one with the, the female Q on Next Generation, which I don't think is the one you're talking about. No, it's not that. So it's not it's not jumping out at me right okay. now. Okay. Okay. But, but we we have read three hundred and something episodes <laughs> worth of comics. So. Well, exactly. You can't remember them all. They do tend to kind of run together. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, uh, so it, this just reminded me a little bit of that. Yeah, I kept thinking, well, maybe he's supposed to be what number one is, an Aloran or whatever. Because doesn't she kind of oh. light up and stuff too? Oh. In oh. Strange New Worlds. Oh, you're right about that. But she doesn't have godlike be like, well. Yeah, we don't know what his powers are. We don't are. know he, his full he power He glows set. and, you know, because it looked like he had damage on his chest, and then after mm-hmm. he glowed, it was all back to normal. So. Right. I don't know what that means. I don't know either. But he's going to come in handy, obviously. Oh, obviously. <laughs> like this. And by the way, the techno babble, whatever the heck they did. <laughs> um, yeah. So... So they're making it because so so that took up a lot of time. So Talir and Jake are running through the halls and they're going through all these different weird things. So I didn't mention any of that, but that's in the book. So it takes yeah. up at least a page. They did take up a lot of a time with them doing this thing, and I suppose right. them actually doing anything that kind of influences uh, Q to go, you know, puts them a little bit more in charge. You know, they able to do something. But it's like, really, Q didn't seem to be affected by that at all. He just, for whatever reason, w- 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 that, them doing that had them pass the test? Is that, was that the deal? Right. And or then was Q... it Cisco's test to see if he would let somebody else do all the work? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm a little confused. Because maybe they did something, but really, Q was still around and, you know. He, he left because he was ready to leave, not right. because some deflector control mo- techno mojo happened. Kicked him off, right? Exactly. Yeah, even though Cisco acts like it did, he's like, oh, I wish yeah. I had one of those on Deep Space Nine. Exactly, exactly. It didn't really seem to do much. No, no. Yeah. So when did you, did you pr- pretty much get the idea that Talir, or Talir was not what he purported to be from the first page? Uh, well, I oh, this I was with him eating the plant. <laughs> you know they're they're vegetarians. Yeah, I know they're vegetarians. But, but I just, that's what I was like. Well, that's kind of weird that he eats a plant, but I guess 
Yes, he could. <laughs> and he's not touching it because I know that was always uh, to Paul's thing is that you don't touch your food. <laughs> he's holding the he's holding the like potted the pot and yeah. the plant. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. What what happened on the first page that clued you in? Aside from well, that. I mean, okay, so whenever I do, and that he had to keep telling himself. Right. All right, go ahead. Whenever I do the synopsis, I got to confess, I'm thinking more about the issues than when I don't do the synopsis. So I'm reading this page a couple times because I usually like to read through it. And then I go back and I start doing the synopsis. So I read it a couple times. So I was maybe more exposed to it than, than some readers. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's at least three different sets of things going on that's not normal. And, and gives gave me the idea that, you know, there's something more going on. This guy's not a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Uh, or he's a very weird Vulcan. Right. I mean, definitely, yeah, like you just said, he kept on reminding himself that he's Talir. So it's like, well, if he was Talir, he wouldn't have to remind himself. Right. Um, and then safety protocols turned off of the sonic shower. It's like, oh, okay. What does that mean? I, I mean, he, li- he likes it hot. But it's a sonic shower, so what does that even mean? What, higher frequencies that would hurt people? I, I, I don't know what that means. And then, yeah, and then definitely the potted plant was on. But he was sleeping, or at least he was getting out of bed. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, it didn't throw up any red flags for me. The second page did, where it hmm. said that he had classified uh, mm-hmm. incidences. I was like, hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when he had his spider sense thing and he says he has a feeling, it's like, what, what, hey, huh? Yeah, well, I just chalked that up to writers wanting to give Vulcans whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, because I'm pretty sure Spock did that a time or two, too. Well, later, after he dropped the whole pretense about not having emotions. Yeah, so when he was older and more mature, he, he would say things like that. But in the early days, he didn't, did he? Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, whatever. I mean... He but, was able to talk McCoy into putting his brain back in. So, <laughs> again, it was whatever the writers wanted to give true. Spock powers that week. That's true. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. The other thing I thought was weird about that conversation between Jake and Talar, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. was that Jake kept acting like he knew Spock. He was like, oh, yeah, you sound just like Spock. Oh, you do this like Spock, you know, and the guy's like, I'm like, Jake never met Spock. I mean, is he going off of audio tapes or how, how does yeah, he know? Good question. Good question. I mean, obviously Spock has popped up in many of the TV shows, uh, the, the next gen and later TV shows, but sure. I do not remember. Was he on Deep Space Nine? No, never. Yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe in some of the books, but not in, not in the show itself. Right. Yeah, maybe they're historical tapes he watched. I don't know. I don't know. And then Talar is like quoting him while he's frying himself. He's like, is that is that was that conversation public knowledge? Does everybody know what he said to uh, Kirk right before he died? I don't know. It just Ships. seemed like a little bit of fan service. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, the reader knows what I'm talking about. Wink, wink. Of course we do. <laughs> So you didn't like the whole running through the decks and then having like a swashbuckling fight and then a 20,000 leagues under the sea fight and then a ballroom dance? 
so well, it was so silly. I mean, to me, yeah, to me, it was just uh, a way to. Ah, to me, it was filler. <laughs> yeah. It so, so how many was it? Uh, one, two, three, four, six. five, six. Okay, and then the triples thing at the end. Oh my god! Right. So yeah, so there's like six different vertical side to side panels. So you know, panoramic, very height short, very wide. And there, there are all these different situations like you were explaining. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Oh, no, I guess that's... No. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's seven of them. One of them in the Jeffries tubes is really short. Oh, they're really, really tiny. Thin, really thin. Yeah, I, I did like the little peace treaty with the uh, eh, Organians. Oh, okay. Uh, was one, is one of them. Right. But did you notice that the Organian is, is glowing godlike? Yes. And he's got the little goatee beard and yeah, just like I don't. Uh, in the old show, he wasn't glowing when they did this. Was did he? He glowed at the end. Oh, did he? But not at the beginning, of course not. Oh, okay, because they, they well, just once he revealed normal. himself, he started glowing. exactly. Yes, because they never actually showed the the treaty being signed. No, not at all. Yeah, but you just I guess they just assume it and then they sh- you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I just. I didn't remember him ever glowing, so I was just like, oh, is this kind of a tee-up to maybe a future issue where the Organians are going to be one of the godlike creatures attacked? Oh. Oh, actually, that's an interesting point. Obviously, the Organians are potentially affected by this. Right. So. Oh. Oh, well, right. what if Talir is an Organian? Ah, yeah, good point. Hmm. Don't know. Yeah, because he says, uh, do not be distracted by ancient history. Oh, that'd be cool if he was an Organian. Mm, yeah. And that and Q knows it and that's why he, he shoved that in there in their little vision. Interesting. Oh, oh I gotcha. It's yeah, okay. So it's a little clue, a little Easter egg maybe. Well definitely an Easter right. egg. Maybe it's a clue. Right. Maybe. Yeah, kinda like how Maybe I don't know if this is also a clue, but in their uh, little write up on Q mm-hmm. and it has Log entries from Jean-Luc Picard, Catherine Janeway, mm-hmm. Benjamin Sisko, and the super famous Captain Delon Prum from the USS London. Ah. We all know who he is. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Yeah, and he dealt with Q seven times. Wow. And I don't know who that is. <laughs> well, I need why, but maybe it makes sense that, you know. Maybe he toyed with other stuff. Yeah, yeah, it would, it would make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he only toys with the ones that have their own show. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I did look up the USS London to see oh. if this was a reference to something else. Maybe uh-huh. I was thinking, well, maybe this An is album? part of Star Trek Online or something like that. Oh. And there's been seven, seven times Q's been in, in that or something. But there is a USS London in Star Trek video game Starfleet Command. But oh. that, that's set like during the uh, the movie era, the, uh-huh. the original series movie era. So it wouldn't be Q yet. So I have no idea which one it is hmm. or what they're referencing. Right. But that would have been a kind of a cool Easter egg to, that would to look up. That's why I was like all excited. Oh, what if this is something? Yeah. And it, it, <laughs> I couldn't find anything. And I was a little disappointed. It's, it all connects, Donovan. <laughs> it all connects. But no, I always like I like the idea that Q's screwing around with other people and not yeah. just the ones that have their own shows. 
Yes, it was kind of surprising to see. But yes, I do like that also. Okay, I got to say I was thrown off by a little something. Mm. So there's a whole page, Brady Bunch style, with like nine little panels, you know, so three across. Yeah. And they're all of the same person. And I'm first looking at it. It's like, it's got a, it's got a modern Starfleet uniform that's like Cisco and everybody else. And I'm looking at it, and it's like, blonde guy with wavy, with kind of thick hair and blue eyes. It's like, is that Tom Paris? What, what, what's Tom? I mean, because Tom, Tom Paris is in this. He's, 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 yeah, he's, the, uh, he's the, the helm guy. Right. And it's like, what, what do they have Tom in here? I haven't seen him before at all. And it's like, and I, I'm reading the, uh, the dialogues. Oh, this is Q. What? Right. I mean, some of the panels, it looks a bit like John Delancey. But I don't remember his hair ever being that light. Anyway, it threw me off. At no, first. Totally. Because uh, he yeah, did, I mean. I could see that. Yeah. So I, my knee-jerk reaction was Tom Paris, not Q. But, right. you know. Until you started being the dialogue. Sure. And he started snapping. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah, because it, it doesn't look like John Delancey, mm-hmm. there was a part of me that was, especially on that page, that was like, oh, what if this is another Q? And oh. we're just assuming that it's the John Delancey Q. Right. But I, I, I think it's supposed to be him. Yeah, yeah. And not just some other random one. I, yeah. just, I just think the hair is totally wrong. Yeah, no. Well, the color is anyway. Maybe, maybe the thickness is fine, but... Because he always had, I mean, maybe not black hair, but, you know, really dark brown, if it's brown. Right. So, whatever. To be honest, I wasn't kind of blown away with some of the artwork in general. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, that Stampede page, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that was Worf. I, I didn't know who any of those people were, uh, except for the Sato, the Andorian. She kind of stands out. Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. But the other, the other three, I was like, okay, so some... Some random dude on a horse and two people on a on a wagon. Right. I, I don't know who they are. Yeah. But I, maybe maybe they'll show up later. And then I kept reading, and that's the only time you ever see those four people. Yeah. At, at first when I saw it, same thing. And then as I get to the end, and then Worf makes a little joke about being in a hat. Yep. Um, it's like, oh, oh. And then right. and then when I went back to do this, you know, the synopsis and went through it again. I definitely saw it with Worf, but on the first look, nah. Nah, I did not. And the other thing that confused me was uh, when all the poop's hitting the fan, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we have the shuttle bay being destroyed and Uh Scotty about to die or whatever. You know, Uh it's it's all just happening. And then you turn the page, and Cisco and Crusher are just having, like, a normal conversation, and... and then he starts glowing and stuff, and I'm like, is he really glowing? What's going on? You know, it's just like, is this page supposed to come before all that, you know? And, and I was a little a little confused. And mm-hmm. then his eyes start glowing and he's able to see CQ hiding in, I guess, just this dimension over or something. I don't know how he can suddenly see him, but right. I thought that was a, that was a little confusing, it, that, that page. Because I really felt like maybe yeah. the pages were out of order for a second. Yeah, definitely Cisco's power set is not clear. And how much of that is Q's manipulation? Not quite sure. But Cisco does seem to have some... I mean, he is half... Wormhole wormhole alien, alien, right? right? Yeah, his mom was. Prophet, whatever. Which, how that biology works, I do not know at all. I'm sure they explained it back in DS9. 
Anywho, obviously he's got some powers, although he's mostly human. Right. I don't know. I guess we'll find out as this progresses. Right. What special powers does he have? Whatever the script requires him (laughs) to have. But I really liked when the Q was mocking the prophets. Hmm. When they were when he was dressed up like that, and he kept kind of jumping around, saying, "The Cisco does this. The Cisco mm-hmm, does that." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like totally like making fun of him. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Overall, it was an okay Q appearance, but it's like eh, not the best in the world, but yeah. it's okay. And so now he's gonna go run off with the rest of the continuum and see what happens. Head for the hills. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on. I mean, really. You've got the powers of a god. You can't do something about this weapon. I mean, I mean, Q's powers, he could destroy it in a thought. Right, right. Uh, or, or transport it so far away, it's never going to be an issue. I mean, there's so many things that uh, somebody of Q's power, and the Continuum especially, could, should be able to do. As opposed to, you know, a single ship and a half profit. Half exactly. profit, half human. But whatever. Right. That wouldn't be as interesting. So, yeah. here we go. I mean, obviously, we have uh, some other type of being mm-hmm. with uh, the Vulcan. So. Yeah. Uh, right. Definitely, I'm enjoying it, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it's taken a few turns that I question. Like, eh, why, why are you doing that? <laughs> so, hopefully, yeah. it'll pay off. Well, we'll see what Takan is all about. The God yeah, City of Takan. Yeah. Is that something we're familiar with before? I've never heard of really it. really sound familiar. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe Q, it'll be like in four, it. four, three. Yeah. If we were if we were near gods, we, we we'd have heard about it, but no. Well, Cisco must know where it is because he's going to give coordinates to uh, the ship. To get it there. <laughs> I don't know how he could, but yeah, maybe this comes under the heading of him having whatever feature set he needs for the mm-hmm. story. I did enjoy Crusher asking him questions, and then him like. Asking Cisco questions, and Cisco's like, "Oh, how would I even explain it to you? You wouldn't understand." And exactly. then she like starts rattling off all the crazy stuff she's seen. Uh-huh. So try me. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen some stuff. Yeah. I've had sex with ghosts now. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that isn't one of the high points of her character. <laughs> but she brings it up. I was yeah, like, she does. "Ooh, I would not have brought that up." <laughs> Well, if Gates McFadden was writing this, she probably wouldn't have. Yeah. All right, anything else? I just want to say that at the end of this issue, they have a little page plug for Strange New Worlds comic book series. Yep. So, looking forward to it. Loved it. Looked great. And again, I got to say, uh, Pike's hair just reminds me of the Slim Jim guy. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard you say that before. Did you see what I just texted you about five yeah. minutes ago? Okay. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah I don't see that. But uh, Oh, sure. you don't? I mean, yeah, he's got puffy hair, but... Well, especially the first couple episodes. It doesn't look like Slim Jim. It, pretty close. <laughs> especially some of the early episodes. I mean, I think, I think whoever was doing the hair kind of cooled it after, like, the first three episodes. And it started to look more normal. But I think his... They were really going for... Interesting hair. Right. On Pike. Now, what's interesting is the write-up of, you know, in that advertisement, Mm -hmm. um, it says, you know, Commander Una Mm -hmm. stands accused of an unspeakable crime, and Mm. it's up to Pike to prove her innocence. So is this a direct continuation of season one, or is this just 
another time she was accused of a crime. I don't know, but uh, you know, is this a, is this a Star Trek Strange New Worlds uh, season one point five? I mean, I it know. does say that it. it I guess there it, is, it does say it's set between first and second season. Oh, it actually says that. Yeah. So okay. Oh, right, well, so I guess it four is four issue miniseries. Okay, there you go. Four issue miniseries. Right. Exactly. Set between the there two seasons. So this is going to give us more background that we're not going to get when season two starts. I right. Assume. Kind of like those old countdowns that right. we used to get. Right. Which I loved, by the way. I wish they would do more of those. Yeah. Like a prodigy countdown or a lower decks. <sighs> there you go. Why not? Cool. All right. Anything else? I think that's all I'd say. All right. Cool. Okay. Let's get on with the resurgence. All right. So, yeah, this is resurgence number two. Came out December of 2022. Writing staff was Andrew Grant and Dan Martin. The art was by Josh Hood. Colors by Charlie Cherkoff. Letters by Neil Yutaki. Edits by Heather Antos. Editorial assist by Vanessa Rial. And there was quite a few covers for this one as well. And conveniently, they're all in the back of the book. One, which is the one that I have, which shows the resolute inside of a dilithium crystal being held by a gloved hand. And that is by Josh Hood and Charlie Cherkoff. The next one is by Sean Van Gorman and... Paul Mounts, and it shows a uh, Starfleet guy holding a phaser. I don't remember his name. And then behind him, we see the uh, USS Resolute. Commander Sutherland. That's Sutherland? Okay. Oh, the one that you think maybe had girl hair. <laughs> and I'm thinking. Oh, maybe, he has girl hair. Maybe in the game, he's the character that you can make a boy or a girl, and they're kind of being ambiguous. There you go. So the next one is by Art Sparrow. And it shows Leah Brahms in a very Princess Leia on Hoth look. And then behind her is a bunch of Tellurians. And uh, that's it. All right. The story starts with a flashback. You got to love flashback. And this is one of our favorite characters, Geordi LaForge, on board the Enterprise D speaking with Leah Brahms. She's talking about how she needs to do some research that's beyond the, what she's capable of doing there in Federation space stations. Jordy encourages her to push forward. So now we push forward to the present time, and the human captain that we were introduced to at the end of last issue, who is a captain of a, a Talorian ship, turns out to be Jono Indar, who we saw on Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 4, entitled Suddenly Human. And if you remember that, uh, Picard found this young boy, or I guess he was really a young man, who had been raised by the Tolorians, and Picard had the decision of letting him stay with his adoptive race or taking back to Federation space. Spoiler, he ends up staying with the Tolorians. So anyways, Indar tells Captain Solano that there is no other Federation ship here in the area, and that they are actually trespassing on Talarian space. Captain Solano tells him that they have evidence that Leah Brahms' ship is somewhere in the area. Indar assures him that that is not the case, and even offers the Starfleet crew to beam over and visit his ship as a sign of goodwill. Solano and a small landing group do beam over and are given a tour 
things are going quite well until a Talarian commandant named Hector shows up. And he overrules Endar's offer. Uh, Hector claims that the Federation is invaders and he locks them away in a cell somewhere on the space station. So in this cell, Captain Solano is able to contact the Resolute via a subcutaneous communicator that is somehow able to cut through the signal jamming. He orders the ship to send over a rescue team, a covert rescue team, and they are to get the landing party first, and then together they'll find Leah Brahms. Elsewhere, Indar is chided by Hector, and perhaps his devotion to the Talarian cause is being questioned. A landing party does beam over. They are cut off from the captain's location by a force field, but using some mirrored serving tray-looking things, they're able to create a small hole in the force field to crawl through. But before they can crawl through, they are located and fired upon. And it seems weird, but the phasers from both sides are able to go through the force field just fine, striking members on both sides. The reader can only hope that both sides are using the stun setting. After the firefight, the surviving members of the Starfleet crew must find another way to save the captain. And this other way ends up being just using their phasers and blasting through walls until they eventually get to the cell that the landing party is held in. With alarms blaring everywhere, the captain says that he wanted a covert rescue. So now the combined teams go out and try to find Leah Brahms. As the crew make their way throughout the station, they are fighting many Talarian guards. They eventually make their way to a huge hangar bay, and inside this hangar bay they find what looks like a modified Federation warship. Solano states that this, along with Brahms' new research, could tip the balance of power in the Alpha Quadrant forever. Meanwhile, in space, the Resolute is also being fired upon by the Talarian ships. They're doing everything they can to stay within transporter range with hopes that the captain will request a beam-up at any minute. So basically they're just taking a pounding while they're trying to stay close. Back on the station, the rescue team eventually tracks down the human signal and they find Leah Brahms in a lab. They tell her that they're here to rescue her and she states that she's here by choice. Just then, a huge group of Talarian guards show up with phasers drawn. To be continued. Dr. Brahms, you're a turncoat. Going wherever she can, I guess. Well, she, yeah, she really wants to achieve that warp breakthrough she wants. Right. We got the little flashback of Jordy kind of encouraging her to push the envelope. Mm -hmm. And then Captain Solano also says that when he used to work with her, he kind of encouraged her to push forward, too, even though he didn't know that she would go this far. And obviously, Jordy didn't mean for her to go this far, so... No. It is kind of interesting that there's two characters in her past that are both going to feel guilty about where she ended up going. Right. But she is... I mean, she is a member of... Is it really Starfleet research or Federation research? Whatever. She, she designed right. starships and starship exactly. engines and systems and things like that. So she knows the strategic importance of ship design. Right. And she knows that the Hilarians are, well, they're not necessarily the Klingons, 
of the past, you know, arch enemies, but right. they're not exactly uh, allies at all. No. So she's got to realize that this research being developed by them or with them is going to be used by them any way they want it to be used. Right. So, and more likely for, for war. Probably. Probably. So in that final shot where she says, I came here by choice, I'm looking at the rifle one of the Talarians is holding. And right. uh, it's, it's different, but it reminds me a little bit of the first contact phaser rifles they used Yeah, in that, in least, that movie. At least the, the bottom part. And then the rifle part is... The barrel part is, is quite a bit different. Just, well, but it, I just want to mention it. It's black. Yeah. And the barrel was black in the first contact oh, was one. It? Yes, oh, it was. Okay. Now, it's, it there's, looks like there's two of them, or is that part of the site? Hard to say. Yeah, but, so there are definite distinct differences. No toys <laughs> about that. But I'm just saying, it just reminds me a little bit of the first yeah, contact absolutely. phaser. I, I had the same, same feeling when I saw it. Yeah. Although I spent more time looking at her hand because she has her hand out, mm-hmm. like showing it off her left hand. And I was like looking for a ring or something. And she like, I was like, oh, is she engaged to Andor or Endor or whatever you name, his name is? <laughs> the, the, but, the guy with basically a Star Wars name? Yeah. 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 And she's always dressed like Princess Leia from Empire Strikes Back. So I was like, are they they're really pushing the, the Star Wars stuff? Uh-huh. But yeah, there's no ring, so I don't know why her hand's up there like that. Well, that is her right hand. You're right. It is her right hand. It's not her left hand. But well, still, why is it That being... would explain why she doesn't have a ring. But why is she showing enough? I don't know. She has absolutely no jewelry, which is not unusual for Star Trek. But, <laughs> yeah. She's a techno noob. Nah. Right. Not noob. Nah. Yeah. So yeah. she just poured, she was pouring some pink liquid into a glass. And so I guess she just put it down and... Raised her hand up? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know. I spent a lot of time looking at that hand going, there must be a reason. <laughs> but I don't know what it is. Yeah, so she's really been manipulated by these guys. I mean, look at look at the commandant. Look at his face. It's like, come on, he's got to be evil. Right, yeah, he's, he's all burnt up and missing an eyeball. Exactly. Yeah. If that doesn't say evil, I don't know what would. And... Almost every time he appears, he at least has one panel where he's, like, really angry. Really over-the-top emotionally, you know, like a, a cardboard cutout bad guy. So, right. unless he is really controlling himself every time he's around her, I would think he would have shown his true colors at some point. But she's still going for it. Yeah, I don't know. So, what would you think of the, the Federation ship that was in the hangar bay? Did they say it was a Federation ship? They said it was a Federation warship. Or no, they said it was a warship. A I guess warship. they didn't say. No, no, they said it's a warship, and he's like, it looks like one of ours. Yeah, it, it looks like one of ours, So, but it doesn't mean it is. I mean, it's got a saucer, saucer section primary hull, and, yeah. then, the, uh, and then I guess nacelles, uh, but then the engineering section is like over the top huge. Right. And, and is, is that the thing on the bottom, which is like huge? Is that supposed to be the deflector dish? Uh, I don't know. So it looks like maybe they were channeling uh, Starfleet technology, but it's like bigger and lumpier. Yeah. Now the saucer section looks really cool, and then the rest of it just looks like cobbled together bits and pieces. Which maybe makes sense for a prototype. Right. Yeah, well, and 
I mean, it look, I, it's not very big. I mean, it is big, but it's not like I don't think it's as big as the Defiant and Defiance of Worship. So I'm like looking at this, thinking, ah, the Defiant could kick well, its You butt. don't, you don't think that's bigger than the Defiant? I don't know. It's not that far. I mean, the hangar can't be that big. Well, and well, they're standing there. Well, but you don't know how far away they are from it. Yeah, again, I don't think the hangar bay's all that big. Well, how do you know? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is this a space station? <laughs> this is not a ship they're on, right? Right, no, it's not a, it's not a ship. Okay, some kind of space station. Or, I don't know, it doesn't, look, it doesn't look that big, but it could be. Maybe it's massive, I don't know. Well, I, I think but it's I bigger see people than the in the, I see people in the foreground, and I see it in the background, and it oh. doesn't look like they're that far away from okay. one another. So I, I, I kind of understand what you're saying, but I think from a perspective standpoint, I mean, it's probably a decent sized ship, especially right. with all the extra garbage on the bottom. Okay. You know, no Excelsior, mind you. But yeah, well, regardless, it's ugly. But all of the Talarian ships are ugly. Yeah, but definitely, it does not look like a Talarian ship. I will agree with that. So the Talarian ships are a little bit more like what? Like, uh, their primary section is a little bit Voyager-like, a little. And then the back end is, like, nondescript engine, and they've got, like, for no reason, because they're out in space, they've got, like, four different, like, wings almost sprouting out of it. Yeah, those fins, yeah. Right, fins. It's like, well, what what do you need that for in space? Maybe it lands. Maybe Voyager could land. But it didn't have little fins popping out like that. Nope. Anywho, so the blue guy... I forgot his name. So that's the, the guy Bolian? that takes over. Huh? Yeah. The, yeah, the, the Bolian guy? The Bolian, yes. It's yeah. not an Andorian, he's Bolian. Right. And uh, rather than cutting hair, he is apparently uh, next in line after uh, Sutherland. Right. So I, when, when, when both Pat, the captain and the first officer go down in an obviously really dangerous thing over to uh, an enemy's, potential enemy ship, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, no. but uh, but apparently they got a lot of uh, faith in this uh, bullying guy. And good for him. Yes, good for him. He is having to earn his keep uh, right now. So. so, did you understand what that force field did that uh, they got to? and That they were shooting through? Yeah, they were able to shoot through it, and they needed serving trays in order to <laughs> make a little hole in it to get through. They I look like serving trays. They're not serving not trays. Get- yeah, they are. <laughs> I, I, I think I think there's a missing panel where he takes the tea set off. <laughs> yeah, okay. it just did not make any sense to me. Yeah, I'll, I agree with that. So, what, what, what's that going to stop people from doing? I mean, what is it supposed to keep? Is it a radiation shield? Is it uh, actually supposed to keep people from going through it? Shield, in which case. Uh, being able to just insert uh, a piece of metal—it seems like, well, yeah, not a good, not a good shield, right? And you can, sh- like you said, you can shoot through it. Yeah, you. What's can the sh- point? Shoot through it, but you and you could push uh, serving trays through it. But exactly. People can't go through it. I don't know. Yeah. But then they don't actually go through it. They end up getting shot at, and then they have to go somewhere else. And it's just like, why the two pages of? The serving tray thing well, work around because how it they were going to get through it, and, and quite frankly, the whole thing made no freaking sense. So, 
you got a bunch of people on both levels. So this is at least two levels that right. they're trying to get into. So there's people walking around, armed people, and you're just going to walk up to the to the force beam and 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 do your little you know dinner tray thing into the thing so we can crawl through it um, like Picard trying to get up on Soren and <laughs> what? It's like you of course you're going to get shot at. Right, right. right. Nah, it's so funny. I don't get it. I don't I get it either. Yeah. And then I'm trying to like put it in game terms like mm-hmm. is this going to be something that's going to be in the game because mm. all the telltale games you're kind of like making decisions and sure. talking to people so i'm like it's going to be something that you talk about and maybe if we could put these serving trays under the force field and then it turns into a first person shooter for a little mm. while nah those games don't aren't gonna be don't first ever person do that shooters. No. no oh oh i like first person it's shooters. not that kind of game okay even more reason for me not to get it. Uh, you're going to love it. Okay. The little panels on the Talarian ship look just like Elkars from Android, oh. which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Maybe they get it from the Federation Surplus store. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of those displays have some weird stuff on them. So you're, you're talking about the Commandant ship, right? I'm talking about there in the... Control room of the station? The control room or whatever. Wherever they're trying to get through that shield. Oh, yeah. You're, it okay, shows so, a, a comm panel and it looks just like what Data yeah. and Wesley use. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. And it's even like the same colors and stuff. Like right. orange and white and whatever. Yep. What I question is the part that you brought up, which I completely agree with. So they've got substitutaneous... It's under the skin. Transmitters. And... And that was introduced in Taws, in Patterns of Force, you know, the Nazi episode. In that episode, the only thing that these radios were supposed to be for were just, they were just really small. But that, that's the only thing that was special about them. They were just mm-hmm. really small, and you can put it underneath your skin, and I guess you can communicate with the ship. It makes complete sense all the times that landing parties have gone down to planets or whatever and had their communicators and phasers taken from them makes total sense that you have something like that. Of course, in Patterns of Force, rather than actually using it as a radio, <laughs> they cut it out and use it as a laser to melt the lock on their cell door. So it's right. like, okay, fine, that made no sense, but whatever. So they use it, they surface it again, they use it again, and somehow it's able to get around the regular Starfleet comms frequencies i guess right it's, it's Yet, better than than the normal com right so why wouldn't you just use these things all the time all yeah, the exactly. time it couldn't be taken from you at least if they knew you had right it. yeah i thought that was kind of weird and then they have another level of jamming going on so they can't do any uh, subspace transmissions the the, the ship says right. so two different levels of trans of jamming going on that doesn't affect the substitutaneous whatevers at all. So okay. Right. But to their credit, they did show them get the subcutaneous injection in I the last time. issue. So yeah. I mean at least they at least that was already there that we knew that they had it. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so they get captured. They they still have their old communicators, so the, the Talarians are so confident about their jamming that they let them keep their communicators. Oh, yeah, that's, right. that's a good point. They've got their badges or comm badges on them. 
Right. So why can't they fiddle with the combat and make a laser out of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't necessarily a good Taws episode. <laughs> Didn't Next Gen do that one time too? With uh, did they? Jordy, Jordy was like blinded or something. He didn't have his visor, but okay. they they did have a communicator, and then like they were trying to fiddle with it so that they could make a little bomb out of it or something <laughs> while it, keeping the guards busy or something. Yeah, yeah, I remember something like that. Yeah, and he was like trying to walk him through it while he was Blind. explaining it. Yeah, yeah, and I think he was in pain too. I can't remember. Anyways. Pain. Yeah. So, what do you think of these Talarian guards? Because there was a few panels where it shows them fighting, and man, there's one page where the Talarian is just standing there while beams are like zipping past his beard, and he doesn't <laughs> seem to be bothered at all. Uh, do you know? Yeah, I, I don't. Know. I know exactly which one you're talking about. He's just standing there in the hallway. Yeah, it's like yeah, he's and and you can't see his hands or his lower arms, so you don't know what he's doing. Right. Yeah, he's just like he's standing just there like, uh-huh. there with arms behind his back or something. Right. Yeah, yeah no. Very impressive. I was really confused. I was like, is he like giving up? What's going on? Yeah. Well, I, so on the same page, I think you're, you're talking about, how do you, how do you like uh, Sutherland's uh, wharf punch? The open palm punch? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I think, it, I think it's cool. It's like, well, yeah, it's the wharf punch. So, <laughs> I mean... Considering all the small little, you know, delicate bones in your hand, uh, I mean, I haven't thrown a punch since I was a kid, but that's really not a good way to throw a punch. Uh, where when I first saw Worf do it with the open hand, I always thought that was cool. Made a lot more Plus, sense. If, you, if you miss and you hit them with just your fingers, so basically you're just slapping, slapping them. them. <laughs> Scratch your eyes out. Yeah. Maybe yeah, but but that works pretty good because look at the look look at the look at the look on the uh, Talarian guard's face. Yeah, he no, got him good. Got him good. It's almost like that uh, that Spider Man, Sam Raimi Spider Man one movie when uh, the Green Goblin's grenade goes through Peter Parker's cheek. Oh yeah, 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 and it goes in slow mo. Yeah, it looks almost like a little slow mo yeah. guard gets hit by wharf punch. <laughs> Yeah, well, he didn't have a gun, so nah, it was cool. What else you got? Uh, not much. I just uh, wanted to comment that Commander Hector definitely has anger management issues. So yeah, it's definitely a poopy butt. It, in multiple pictures, he's really screaming. So the Talarians tend to be very aggressive people. Right. Probably. Yeah. So uh, I... Who spit a lot? I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch who it was in the first issue. Remember, mm-hmm. we ended and we were like, I don't know, what, what's this human doing there? Mm-hmm. And then they pretty much tell you right on the first page on the little recap that, mm-hmm. oh, this is from that Next Generation episode. Right. So uh, I, I uh, was a little sad I didn't put two and two together. Mm-hmm. But uh, they do. I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't remember. I didn't remember that episode at all. Right. Well, you remember I mean, it now, now, now they meant now that it's been uh, you know recapped for me mini a mini recap uh, yeah I, I kind of remember that one right which again if you were only reading the the book itself and you didn't read the little recap on mm-hmm. the first page yeah you would still not know who he was yeah 
Well, I wonder how the game. So the game reminds you. Mm-hmm. How does the I mean, game I, communicate that to you, or does it matter? I, I'm assuming this part. I'm assuming this story is not going to be in the game. Okay. Cool. I don't think this is an adaptation of the game. I think it's just these characters in a new story. Because in the game, Spock's in it. Mm-hmm. So they're taking Ambassador okay, so, Spock somewhere. So this is a completely separate story with the same characters. Exactly. So we may yeah. not see, you know, burnt face guy. Probably won't, yeah. Okay. Yeah, take this as countdown for the video oh, game. okay. A, so this, this may be, a, okay, gotcha. What leads up to the game kind of right. thing. And then it's a totally different adventure when the game starts. I'm assuming, yeah. Okay, sounds good. I got nothing else to say. Oh, uh, I just want to say that they had a close-up drawing of a, of a tricorder, and I thought that was very accurate. It looked really good. So the lady who was on the uh, SWAT team, mm-hmm. right? she had a, a nicely drawn phaser in one hand and then had a tricord in the other hand. Then they had a close-up of the tricord. It's like spot-on drawing. Yeah, even with the little spin wheel and the power button and everything. Oh, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, no, it looks good. I mean, as good as that ever looks, it always looks a little cheesy. I'm glad they never show a close-up of it in the show. Oh, I think it looks great. It looks like stickers. <laughs> well, it probably is stickers. Exactly. I mean, they're, not, they're probably not going to spend the special effects thing to superimpose of an actual video. Right. Yeah. Well, well it's, it's an L-Cars thing. I mean, they're right. all, the L-Cars display panels are all you know, 90% stickers, too. But. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, but they don't ever show a close-up of it in the show. Usually not. Usually not. Right. Same thing with those tablets that Brand used to always give Kirk to to do. It's just mm-hmm. like, eh, that's that's not that's not, that those things don't ever change. They always look exactly the same. <sighs> exactly. There you go. But those, those probably weren't even stickers. That was and, just probably and the pads painted on there. The pads yeah. Next Gen uses just yep. smaller versions of the same kind of thing. That's very exactly. static. It's a piece of wood in the right shape and painted. Right. That's one benefit that the newer shows have is that they could actually use real iPads and tablets and stuff. Yeah, to some degree. But also, they just 3D print everything. So they can have some really nice designs with a lot of detail. Right. And it can look a little bit less like uh, a piece of wood mm-hmm. that somebody carved. Yeah. I have nothing else to say about this one. Yep, me either. I'm good. It's fine. It's serviceable. You know, these characters are fine. I haven't really lobbed on, you know, grabbed onto them and say, oh, this is, boy, these are my favorite captain. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not, right. ooh, Solano, Kirk, and Picard, who's the best? No, it's not <laughs> happening. It's not going to do it for you. Yet. But, you know, it's good. It's nice. Yeah. So uh, we'll get back to the adventures of, uh... now I don't, what... okay, here's one thing, I... it's a pet peeve. Mm-hmm. The book is called Resurgence, but mm. the ship is called Resolute. Mm-hmm. Why not just call it Resolute? Why not call the book Resolute? Well, maybe Resurgence Or is... call the ship Resurgence. I don't know. Well, why would you call a ship at the Resurgence? I don't know. It doesn't, well, it doesn't have to be, oh, Defiant is in the book, so you've got to call it Defiant. <laughs> Who would do that? Uh, uh, IDW. Anyway, <laughs> but maybe resurgence. The idea of resurgence, like the Talarians are going to come back to power. They were going to they're going to resurge if they're able to get this uh, warp technology. 
Sure. I don't I know. Get it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, so we'll be back to Resurgence in a couple of episodes uh, with issue three. But uh, but next week we're going to do Strange New Worlds miniseries, which I'm really looking forward to. Woohoo! Me too. And the page, yeah, you know, the little ad they put in the uh, 2002 book we just did a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that's very nicely drawn. That's good. Shows all the characters, shows the Enterprise, uh, and it's great. I think I look very much, I look very yeah. much forward to it. And it'll be a little different because we'll actually have both both stories that we do will be the same series. So, little different from here here recently when we've had the one of one and one of the other mm-hmm. issue yeah. one and issue two of the same series. Yeah, well, we're purposely waiting until we've got the first two issues. Right. Then we'll do the, the bouncing back and forth starting the next yeah, week. Yeah, that'd be fine. That's fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so We're going to make an event. 383, big event. Strange New Worlds. Excellent, excellent. So um, I saw a YouTube video by Steve, Steve, Steve. I forgot his last name. Martin. But, no. Um, but he's really good and he does a lot of Star Trek stuff. And... Um, and he re-asked the question, you know, what's your favorite, what's your favorite captain? And then he did a whole episode thing, uh, Trek actually, uh, talking about how awesome Pike is. And I thought, was, yeah, yeah, this, his favorite captain is Cisco, because he really loves Deep Space Nine. But in a lot of ways, he thinks Pike best embodies what a Starfleet captain should be. Mm. More so than Picard, more so than Kirk, more so than even Cisco. So, uh, so that was his premise, and he does a whole video on that. And they did show a lot of things about Pike, uh, and he talked about the uh, 2009 movie version by Greenwood. Is that the actor? Yeah, Bruce Greenwood. Bruce yeah. Greenwood. That's it. And I, I couldn't agree more. He said Greenwood did a great job too as Pike. So, anyway, really, I really like Pike. I like all three incarnations of Pike, although the first one, obviously, you've only got the one episode right. to go by. The, the Jesus one. <laughs> the Jesus one. Yes, just because he became Jesus <laughs> doesn't mean Pike was Jesus. Yes. I'm just saying he's the, uh, he's the, only, pi- he's the only Star Trek character to play Jesus. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Jeffrey Hunter, yes. And, and he does come back from the dead. Just saying. Just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to this series. I love the series. I'm looking forward to this mini series. I guess. Yeah. No. I I totally love the the two newer versions of Pike. Yeah. I mean, I don't dislike the Jer- Jeremy Hunter one, but you only had that one episode, and it's pretty rough because they hadn't quite figured out what what they wanted Star Trek to be yet. Correct. You know, with Spock smiling and whatnots throughout the whole thing. <laughs> seemed weird. Right. And there's a lot of characteristics of the Pike character as they're presented, especially in, in the new series and Discovery before, that he is a really good captain. Talk about somebody that has really good relationship uh, with his uh, crew and things. So, right. Anyway. Oh, absolutely. I mean, not that any of the captains didn't, except maybe Jellico. But, man, he's like, dial it up to 11 with Pike. Jellico, not from lack of trying. I mean, it's just that the crew really didn't like him. No, Jellico's a jerk. Now, mind you, 
Jellicoe had a job to get done, and he got it done. It's just that his way of doing it was kind of jerky. The not Picard way. Well, the not any of... I mean, was <laughs> Jellicoe like any Starfleet captain that you were exposed to before? <laughs> Maybe not. At least that was, you know, promoted as, you know, the, the leader of a series. Right. I mean, there yeah. were poopy captains that would pop up every once in a while. Although normally that was generals or uh, admirals. Sorry, admirals, not generals. Right. So you'd have, uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. All right. All right. Anything else? No, nothing. All right, cool. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week with uh, some strange new words. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everybody. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.